The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Australia's top football publication. This week we've been working harder than Rafa Benitez's CV-making software, covering news on the Socceroos, the Hyundai A-League and international football. I'm Editor-in-Chief Paul Hansford and this week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson. Hello. And Deputy Editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Now before we get into the uh, review of round 13, there was a bit of uh, office politics and supporting etiquette going on this morning where uh, West Ham and uh, Aston Villa fought out an interesting match. Now Trevor, talk me through what you said to me in the office earlier on. Well me and Andy came in early to watch the game, me, West Ham fan, Andy, Villa fan. Um, We were watching it. Uh, out the back for anyone who doesn't know West Ham deservedly won two. <laughs> oh, I knew I was going to get a response from that 1-2-1 one, one for the last cast goal but the aside the point I was making to you that it's quite interesting watching a game with your boss when he supports one team and you support the other and I wasn't sure how much to celebrate the oh, final well, goal I would have expected laps of honour around the back <laughs> I couldn't even look at you when I was celebrating though you're a little bit worried yeah I think so well, devastating third minute of injury time rubbish <laughs> The game that we've dominated, rubbish. A bit like when I play you at FIFA, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, they're moving on. <laughs> Move, get, get moving, on be, moving on before it's a one-man pod next week uh, with just Andy. <laughs> um, review of round 13. Brisbane Roar against Newcastle Jets, the first game of that round, a, a, a one-all draw with uh, Labano Haliti scoring for Newcastle Jets and the most wasteful striker in the A-League. Penalty well, that's he's all about it, but that's his third penalty of the season. That's what um, keeps these figures ticking over. I really thought, like I said in the pod last week, I really thought the Royal were going to win this. What a good opportunity for Ange to get his first win, home game against um, quite possibly at the moment the weakest team in the league. So they'll be really disappointed with that result, result to be honest with you. Um, and it's difficult. It's looking, you know, more and more likely that Brisbane are going to have a real struggle to make the finals. I keep thinking they're going to sort of have this surge because they've got the players and they've got the stability and that nice mix of youth and experience, but it just doesn't seem to be happening yet and Ange's got his work cut out there Andy have you noticed anything that Ange might have done differently so far it's a bit too early to tell not really I, I, I don't think he's still yet had his, his pick of his squad so I think it's difficult you know, with the injuries and suspensions that they've got but I think what will be interesting will be when he's got a, his full complement so he's got more Tiato Miller all at his disposal um, to see how he sets them up and how he plays but um I mean, there's a few sort of things there for optimism. I thought the lad Cernak that's come in has looked pretty lively. He scored against Sydney and, and again looked lively. Um, but it's interesting. We, we spoke for so long about how there was so little between top and bottom and now we're starting to see a real gap between top and bottom and that draw really didn't do any of those teams any favours because they're now sort of 12 points off the top um, and sort of four points off the final spot. So, you know, they really need to start winning games rather than drawing games. But um, again, Newcastle last night, another defeat. So it's not looking good for, uh, for Branco. Yeah, they don't really seem to have... Uh, a bit of a blur team, aren't they, really, mm. Newcastle? It, it was never going to be easy because, I mean, they finished bottom last season and there was just a massive change of players, like a, a whole new team and a, a new coaching wife. It was never going to be an easy task for them. But um, bar a couple of shock results, the, they, you know, they're bottom of the table at the moment and look like they might be staying there. Yeah. Moving on, the uh, game on Saturday, fantastic match between Central Coast Mariners and Adelaide United. 
Nil nil. It was a yawn fest, and I watched about the first half an hour, and then I was getting pressure from the list to watch something else, and I said, I think we can comfortably turn over because I think <laughs> this is going to nil. And it did. So, how was Murder She Wrote? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. At least you didn't know how it was going to end. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for the people of Canberra at the best of times, but, you know, when they're getting showcase games like that and it's not really showcasing a lot, there's not a lot more you can say about that game, really. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yeah. Gold Coast United against North Queensland Fury. Skilled Park in Rabina. Obviously, all the yeah. uh, furore going on about caps and. Uh, Stadiums being closed and uh, obviously affected the team somewhat. Two not two nil win for, for Fury. Yeah, and uh, a two nil win for four dollars seventy five North Queensland Ooh, Fury, which I was on. Oh, nice as per last value. week, yeah. as I tipped them in the pod, went there back back to them. Um, Excellent. And you yeah. made four dollars seventy five out of it. No, 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 no. <laughs> a little bit more than that. Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, no surprise on the crowd really. I think the, the whole point was there, there was a combination of factors. One is the people that were just making a protest about not going. The second one is you don't want to be the five thousand and first person that turns up if you think the crowd's capped at five thousand. And I think everything obviously has come to a head this finally seen some sense um, via the FFA and, and you know Clive Palmer who's I mean what's he's not really come out and said whether he's bought into this or whether it's been dictated to him, but either way you know, we've seen them reduce the, the, the prices to 19 bucks and kids under 15 getting them free, which is certainly a massive, massive step in the right direction. But the most concerning thing, I think, was Jason Kalina's sort of post-match interview where he certainly looked less than happy, as you would expect, you know, as we talked about, you know, he must be looking around going, did I really come back for this? You know, and, and that's, that's the key issue for me is whether I think they need to, you know, they need to make some real steps forward on and off the pitch in the next few weeks, otherwise... I could see him angling for a move in January, mm. but Fury. Let's not take some. Let's not take the credit away from them. They're playing um, a lot better and seem to be know now how to get those results. You know, turning the draws into to wins and Fowler's uh, moving himself up the scoring charts as well. Yeah, they certainly deserve a bit of credit. First thing I'll say about this game is the first time I've watched a game dressed as the Incredible Hulk. Okay. I was at a Halloween party. We've, we've done that before, haven't we? Yeah, times. I think so. Oh, I thought it might be the first ever person. Oh, yeah. fair enough. Um, another thing about Fowler, something I've got to pull myself up on. We did a game of uh, under over at the beginning of the season, and I tipped them to be bottom, and I tipped Fowler to get less than nine goals. Um, and I felt pretty strongly about it. I didn't think he'd, he'd stay fit, I didn't think he'd get the service he needed. And, you know, him and his teammates have completely put him He's got eight now, so. You'd imagine, but a really bad injury that he's going to surpass the nine as well. Mm. Yeah, they, they keep on uh, bat, battling on, don't they? Really, and then they're all in striking distance of of the finals. I still don't think they'll make the finals, um, but you know, it's good to see them off the, the foot of the table at least. Yeah. Sunday's game: Sydney FC against Wellington Phoenix, uh, a, a rampant Sydney. Can I just say I also had money on three-one. Oh, really? The score? Never bucks. easy. Did you win on the Melbourne 15, Cup? No, I lost it all on the Melbourne oh. Cup. Yeah, 3-1. And I thought that bet was over when they went 3-0 up after half an hour. But as, as is often the case in games like that, when a team gets such a lead, they then sort of seem to back off a little bit. Mm. And um, yeah, and interestingly, had, had the sort of penalty gone in, might have been a little bit of a nervy finish, as we saw from Sydney against Queensland, but um, against Brisbane, so the week before. But didn't really work out that way but a neat finish from Barbarossa who backed up last night and played well um, but Sydney again you know some great movement Ross was outstanding 
you know, that the, the, the second goal for Bridge where he just stood um, I think it was Sigmund up and just ran past him you know and, and he's not that bad a, he's not that bad a defender did he stand Sigmund up or was there a Freudian slip yeah, I think that might I, be I a bit. Know. That might be a bit deep for our listeners. Actually, yeah, yeah, Freudian I pump. Thought, I thought it was good yeah. anyway. No, he managed to stay on his feet. I thought he was going to bring him down, but he didn't. Um, but yeah, Sydney at the top, deservedly so. I think they're, they're probably certainly in patches playing the best football, um, and certainly the best football Sydney I've seen play probably ever. Mm. I would say. Um, and you know, the thing I like about Levitsko is he's just picking players on merit. You know, like Aloisi is on the bench, and, and you know, and to his credit, appears to be accepting of that. You know, that the guys, you know, Brosk and Bridge are performing so well that he's got to displace them. You know, and he came on, missed one, was unlucky with one, but he, you know, he's he looks like he's accepted the fact that he's got to fight for his place, and he's not guaranteed a spot just because he's he's the big money marquee. Yeah. There's whispers this week of, of Brosk and World Cup call-ups. Do you think that that might be just a little bit beyond him or do you think that that's a, a valid whisper? Um, no, that won't happen. But I do think they, they can play a part. We have still got some Asian Cup qualifier games, I believe, that are going to need A-League-based players. Um, I think we looked a bit flat from the Socceroos previously. Um, in those games, well, obviously, we've got a draw and a, and a loss. Um Especially in the final third, I went for sort of you know Allsop and Thompson. That didn't work. Um, you know Matt Simon struggled. So I think perhaps Bridge and Bros could be a, a bit of enthusiasm up front. But it's just difficult to see where they're going to fit into Pim's system. He's just going to play the one up front. Neither of those players are, are, are that type yeah. of player. And with Bros as well, like matches previously have played him in withdrawn role. And if you look at that, where he was most effective was that goal. And if he's doing that thirty yards into his own half. By the time he's then beaten the first player, the, the, the defence have got cover across and they've they pushed him into the corner. Whereas when he's playing on the last man, all of a sudden his pace over the first 20 yards makes such, such more, you know, much more of a difference. And I think he's, you know, I, I don't think his defensive qualities are enough for him to play in a, in a, in a sort of wide left midfield. So I think him giving that sort of more free reign up front is really where he's flourishing. And the last game of uh, round 13 was Perth Glory against Melbourne Victory. Two teams uh, near the top of the table. Melbourne running out victors 2-1. Enjoyable game, Trev? Yeah, I mean, it's rare to see Perth um, lose at home, but again, it's Hernandez winning the day. I mean, we knew what a great player he was last season, but current form at the moment. Um, he's pretty much single-handedly dragged them back up into the top two of the table, and he carries on playing that way. Um, it'll be really tough to, to deny another title of, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I thought Archie Thompson was was the difference. I thought he was excellent. I think he's really the last couple of weeks seems to have sort of refocused and got back. Looks like he stopped thinking as well. Yeah, I, I just see. Yeah, he he was dropping back into midfield. He was picking the ball out. He was running at players. He was bringing other players into things. And I think that's the key. So I don't think Hernandez can do it all on his own. Um, so I think you know I think I think they've got a sniff of it now. I think after the first few weeks when you know they were missing players and they weren't really clicking I think now they can actually see that you know there's a there's a bit of daylight opening up and they've got as good a chance as anyone of being the first team to go back to back and uh, both Perth and Melbourne pretty much locks for the playoffs for, for final spots I mean Perth I mean Perth are fifth at the moment and Wellington looking good Fury getting a bit of form together and Adelaide and Brisbane still below them no I still think they've, they've got a fair bit of work to do yeah I'd agree with that I don't think Perth are guaranteed a final spot yet by any stretch 
Okay, great stuff, lads. That was round 13. That's all, to, all the time we've got for in this section of the Insider Podcast. But join us after the break as we'll be looking at from our website, au.442.com. All together now. Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Muskie will be arm-in-arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's FIFA authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 7 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Hello. Hello. I'm Jeroen Blyberg, the coach of Gorkost United. That's okay? How are you listening to? What? Come see it. And you are what? Listening. <laughs> Listening to the 442. Insider. Insider, what it is? Podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. Now it's time for us to have a look at all the week's news from our website, au.442.com. And when I say all the week's news, I don't mean all the week's news, but just the ones that we thought were the best. First up, game last night. Phoenix beating the Jets for a top six spot. And uh, they look unbeatable at home now, don't they? Yeah, playing really well. Um... I mean, the second goal was was right up there with you know it's a good team move. Eiffel beat a couple of players down the left. Fantastic little flip back heel from Barbarossa. He's looked really good. And he, I mean, I remember him sort of getting big raps probably at the start of last season. He didn't really figure that much, but um, and and hasn't really figured until the last couple of games. So I mean, but he's, he's obviously got some talent. Whether he can do it over uh, over a consistent period, but you'd also think. It's probably maybe an outside spot for a place in the squad for next weekend for, yeah. for New Zealand because he certainly seems to be one of those players that could come off the bench if they needed a goal if it's still nil-nil with 10 minutes to go and Ricky's looking for an option on the bench you've got to think that he's the sort of player with a little flick like that that could open something up so yeah it looks the goods and Eiffel great game and good to see our Chris back on the, uh, back on the score good, sheet with a yeah. neat finish except he missed a penalty as well didn't he yeah I think yeah, I was worried about my fantasy team because he's in that a few minus points and he's cancelled his goal up, actually. Yeah. My main but concern. How well do you think it bodes for, for New Zealand and their game in, in you know, 10 days' time or so? The fact that the Phoenix are playing really well, firing well, that's got to give you know the majority of the players who are playing for Phoenix a lot of confidence going into that match. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with a bit of confidence. Sometimes it can be the difference, especially in a, a tight playoff game like that. And obviously you've got the same coach as well, so... He's getting to see, you know, who's doing what and who's doing what well. In terms of that game, you know, I think the scoreline could have even flattered the Jets a little bit. I mean, Kennedy pulled off some good saves. Um, 
miss penalty. And but I mean, you know, Wellington scoring three goals. I know they got six against Gold Coast the other week, but we were really worried about where the goals were going to come from in the close season. Smelts had gone, and he'd got fifty-seven percent or something of their goals last season. But they've got nineteen this season. Um, Phoenix only Melbourne have got more. And they've got the same as Sydney and Gold Coast. So you know that, that's a pretty decent return, and they just you know well as a team to get the goals. Yeah. Well, the other big news this week was the announcement of the Socceroos squad for the game against Oman, the Asian Cup 2011 qualifier. And uh, the first time that the game will be played in a sports centre in a five-side pitch, I think, because the game's being played at the Sultan Quabu's Sports Complex. Oh, kind of right. makes me think like there's going to be like lockers and they're going to, you know, like have to wear little socks when they go swimming <laughs> so they don't get broken. There'll be a net down the side of the pitch. There'll be indoor cricket going on yeah. next door. <laughs> what, whether the Sultan Quabu's Sports Complex is a, a little bit bigger than it sounds I'm not sure I think it probably would be and that's on uh, November the 14th the same time as the uh, game we were just talking about the, the World Cup qualifiers um, lads what do we think about the big squad what can we glean from who is chosen and maybe who is left out um, I think I think he said that either before or just after the last game that his sort of time for experimenting was over and I think we're seeing that now um, and the only thing that, that sort of surprised me a little bit was the omission of um, Shane Lowry because I thought he didn't play him against um, against Amman here, and I thought the whole point of it was to cap him so that so he wasn't going to go and play for Republic of Ireland, and it just seems odd to call a player into a squad that you're trying to almost coach from playing for someone else, not cap him and not put him in the next squad. So that that was that was the the, the one question mark I had over that. Maybe he saw enough in training to think he's not really bothered, but. Um, I suppose the two big names missing are Grella and McDonald. Grella's injured, he is yeah. injured, mm-hmm. but he's going to, or very likely to play against Portsmouth this weekend. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's probably a fair bet that Grella came back from the last international break, walked into Allardyce's office, and he probably wasn't very happy that he'd, he'd gone over to Australia and picked up this injury. So it's unlikely that he's going to get back in time for the Portsmouth game and then, you know, be allowed to go off to a, another qualifier again. Um, so I reckon there's probably been a bit of discussion between club and country there and they're going to keep him back in England Donald, that is a bit of a surprise because he has been a permanent in um, PIM squads for a long while I'm not quite sure how much more there is to learn about him because um, we know he doesn't fit into that system I still think, you know, even though he's not part of this squad and you know he is fit I do still think he'll go to the World Cup because I do think he's that something slightly different I think what Pim come out and said that he was looking for is who would be the replacement for Kennedy who would be the you know the new one guy up front so we see Gita come in here and, and that's his opportunity not that he's been doing a lot in Turkey but that's his opportunity for the Socceroos and the other, the other sort of notable sort of significant one I think was, was Kisnor Bowen and you know no beach and no Chris Coyne I think that there's a clear sign there that, that Kisnor Bowen has elevated himself in in Pim's mind into that sort of potentially starting centre-half or, or first-choice reserve centre-half. Um, I mean, the person, you know, you've got to look at Chris Coyne, who was starting regularly, he's come back playing for Perth and is now not featuring even in the squad. Um, so that, that'd be a concern for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a sneaky feeling that Scott McDonald isn't going to go the World Cup. I've just got a real feeling that I think his option, his 4-4-2 option will involve pushing kill further up and bringing on someone else in midfield um, I just I just think he's looking at him and he's just not giving him enough when he's giving him the opportunity and I think he's the sort of player that, that to take up a whole spot on the squad with someone that 
is only going to be a 15-20 minute option when you've got other op- other options like Kuehl or Cahill to play more advanced for 15 or 20 minutes I think he'll go for a more of a utility player who can play midfield defender you know um, so yeah I've, I've got a sneaking feeling he's not going to be on the plane and the Mil- uh, Milace got the um, nod so it's not like it's a, a, an anti-A-League uh, mm. That's a strange agenda by Mr. Verbeek. I think that's a bit of a strange inclusion, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he scored a cracking goal at the weekend, but in general, I think he looked a little bit off the pace. I'm not sure if he was short of fitness at the start of the season, but yeah, I'm surprised to see him in there. But that's another opportunity for him, isn't it? Yeah. And one new story that was on our website just last night was uh, him voicing some concern about Jason Kalina and his form. So not only has it been noticed by the experts on the pod. Um, but Pim has seen it as well and he's uh, expressing his concern about how Jason's playing he said I think Jason's played better games in his life uh, but I'm not looking at the results in their last games and blame Jason for that I know he gave away a ball that cost them a goal things like that can happen in football so yeah I mean, you know, I mean it was always going to be the, the question was you know that drop in because you know, with the best win in the world the Premier you know, the, the, the A-League is not the intensity that, that of even the, you know, the Dutch era de Vizier and certainly nowhere near the Champions League and in that central midfield role that so much of it is about the tempo of the game is if Jason has just played a whole season at A-League tempo and then gets dropped into a World Cup midfield tempo he's going to be a significant jump up and I think the question mark is, is what does Kalina do after the A-League season finishes you know what does he do to retain his sharpness because it's in that position so much of it is about momentum and tempo and reading the pace that for Beeks obviously looking at that thinking that's a concern I probably agree with him Moving on the other big story of the week was the ongoing saga of the Gold Coast United capping of fans going to the grounds and it looks as though it's been resolved. Takes you back to the 80s, that. Fans getting capped on the way to the game. <laughs> exactly. Under the agreement, the cap on crowds is now gone and all sections of Skill Park will be open to the public. Clive uh, Mensink has said, we have listened to the fans and the community and they have told us that they want the stadium opened up. Really? They, you know, The fans have said that they would like a stadium open and the Gold Coast have said, yes, that's... Fantastic stuff from the Gold Coast guys there. Um, what do we think, lads? I'm fed up of this. Mm. That's starting to annoy me. If I could be a slightly sceptical journalist about this, um, this strikes me a little bit as one big publicity stunt. I almost feel like the crowds they perhaps wanted to get was between six or 7,000. You know, the game before they put the cap on there were getting four and a half. I almost feel like the Gold Coast as a club has sort of named and shamed the community and the local fans. Australia-wide news, capping it at 5,000, we're not getting enough fans, we have to save money, blah, blah, blah. They get the reaction from, the, you know, and the coverage they want from, from the community. That, you know, a, a few people show up when they've got, you know, bottom of the league fury in town. A few show up, those who do protest going, you know, give us our crowds back, blah, blah, blah. Um, they take the cap off in time for top of the league Sydney to be back in town. They drop the prices and then they say to the whole community, well, the ball's in your court now, isn't it? You've got the cheaper prices, you've got all your stands back. It's now up to you to fill it. I just I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's as calculated as that. I think it's more that you know Clive Palmer was a, was a bit of a light right. Well, if you're not supporting as well, then you know sod you. I'm going to cap the crowd. I'm going to save money. And and I, I think he massively underestimated the the knock on effect of that, not just from their own supporters, but from the public. You know, it made news in America. 
they're the laughing stock. They're the laughing stock of football now, though, aren't they? Yeah, I, but, I think but that is. I think he's the sort of person that doesn't like any negative publicity. He's a, he's a you know, he loves publicity, no doubt about that. He's put himself at the forefront of this club, and I think when he started seeing articles in the US ridiculing him as a sports owner, I think that has pricked his uh, his ego, and he's gone right, okay. And also, let's be honest, you know, I'm sure that the FFA have gone up there and reminded him who actually owns the club. No, you know, I, in that I, they do own. He, he does own the club, but it is a franchise, and he, he owns a license, mm. and that license is revocable. Um, you know, and what he was doing was was bad for the game. It was bad for the game at domestic level, and it was bad for the game at international level. When Australia was bidding for a World Cup, you don't want those sort of headlines. And I'm sure that he's probably been told in no uncertain terms that that's the deal. You know. Um, he's certainly been quiet this week since he released his press his press release where he obviously listens to the pod Trev yeah with his complete list of uh, population conversion ratios couldn't believe it we were talking about it and then all of a sudden there it is the full table you're on the books aren't you you're, you're an underhanded uh, researcher for Mr Palmer no not at all I, I suppose it's flattering I don't think it's a coincidence so that's definitely my theory but if he wants to use it I'll take Richest man in Australia still in my field. I, mean, my, I do hope that they do get a good crowd. I'd really like to see the, the public respond. My only concern, I think it's probably a little bit too early. I think you can't just sort of you know, go, all right, and you were right all along, and then yeah. expect people to come back straight away. Um, but if they are going to come back, it'll be against Sydney. So I hope there'll be a decent travelling contingent of Sydney fans up there to make some noise. It's a shame as well because, from all accounts, I'm not been able to travel. It's supposedly the best. Sort of purpose-built stadium. Well, it's, it's great. In theory, I mean, it, if, if there were ten or fifteen thousand there, it would create a hell of an atmosphere, and it's a shame we've not seen it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, that other you know football games in Australia, it feels like it's a football game in you know an AFL place or in a place that's not supposed to be there. But yeah, like you say, it's purpose-built. You know, the, the atmosphere, like the, the fans are, are close to the pitch, and it feels like going back to you know an English or a European stadium. So yeah, you know, it is a shame. But, haven't been able to even close to Philip, but I think you know they will get a good crowd against Sydney. They're still third in the you know out of yeah, it, a yeah. victory over Sydney, and they're well and truly back in it. Well, that's uh, great stuff, lads. The last last news story before we go to a break is that for the second consecutive year, there will be an Australian participant in the Asian Champions League final. Fortunately, not a team, but a referee, Matthew Breeze, been appointed the referee for. Saturday's Champions League final between Rafa Benitez referee referee is what I said he's Spanish that's uh, um, between Saudi Arabian champions Al Ittihad and K-League giants Pohang Steelers yeah I've got I mean Trev's done some analysis on I this have one. done yeah well it's an all Australian um, why are they team. inflicting Breeze on the, on the it's not just uh, um, his assistants uh, Matthew Cream Benjamin Wilson both from Australia and so it's a fourth official Peter Green wow. so it's an all Aussie um Outfit at the final, Fantastic. yeah. It's on um, it's on Saturday night. I believe it's on SBS because it's going to be seven o'clock uh, Japan time, nine o'clock over here. Um, I suppose the, the difference this time round is that it's a one-off clash. Previously, they've done two legs, so the Tokyo National Stadium in, in Japan will uh, will host that. Um, Al Ittihad are going for their their third AFC Champions League title in seven years, and they're known as um, the K League Killers got Pohang Steelers from the K-League and the reasons are known that is they've got an incredible record against K-League teams and, and tend to knock them out quite easily so that they'll go in favourites in terms of Pohang Steelers um, we know a little bit about them over here because um, had a few clashes of A-League the Mariners had them in their group and fared okay against them 0-0 at home and lost 3-2 away but 
they're probably known better for smashing the Jets 6 0. Um, and they're the current Super Bowl champions as well, aren't they? <laughs> so, Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think we're, everyone's expecting the uh, uh, Saudi Arabian team to, to run out when it's there. Uh, which, who in the um, Aliti had team impresses you, Trev? Uh, do you know what? I was, <laughs> I was thinking, I hope there's no follow up questions on any of the stuff I've got written down here. I could have made up a name then, couldn't yeah. I? Yeah. Uh, just and all of them, they're just a team unit. That's I, what I like about yeah, them. Yeah, of course. I just hope they haven't watched the last two A League grand finals. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I know. I, I mean, it's obvious uh, is that we berate our Australian officials here. Is quite rightly, but they are well respected overseas. You know, Mark Shield running, you know, refereed at the highest level, and we've seen that from Matthew Bree, so it's great. I think the interesting, as you talked about, is, is this move to a one off game at a neutral or, or supposedly neutral venue at the start. Um, I think that, that's a definite step forward because I think the two legged final is a bit, bit of an anti climax. Um, so I hope that um, you know, the Japanese do get behind it. You know, and actually going to look. I mean, I know that there was talk about Australia bidding for 2011 Champions League final. And again, all of this stuff is great bidding for it. But then if you win it, a bit like the Asian Cup, you know, we need to go out and show that we're willing to go and support neutral teams to, to, to just go and watch a, a top level game of Asian football. So it would be interesting. Great stuff, lads. Well, we're running hideously over time in this segment, so we're going to run off to a break. But join us after as we'll be giving out our halftime awards for players, coach, and team, plus many more. So join us then. The December edition of Australian 442 is on sale now. We're 50 issues old, and to celebrate, we're listing the 50 defining moments of Australian football, including Aloisi's penalty, FFA's Dutch Revolution, and Vidmar's exit tears. Elsewhere, we catch up with rising soccer star Reese Williams. Italy and AC Milan legend Franco Baresi tells us what it's like to miss a penalty in a World Cup final. And there's a free Football Manager 2010 game demo with every issue. The December edition of Australian 442... It's on sale now. Back to 442 Insider. So then I said to her, I've never seen that pierced before. Oh, oh sorry, we're back on air. <laughs> sorry. Um, welcome back to the 442 Insider <laughs> podcast. We um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I didn't realize that. Anyway, um, <laughs> half term report part two after grading the teams for their first half performances last week. Now we're going to have a look at some of the individual awards for the halfway point of A League season five. Lads, uh, first up, best new player. Trevor, who's, um, who's on your uh, list for that one? I'm going to go for Paul Eiffel, I think. Oh, I really enjoy this. Oh, I'm going to go for Paul Eiffel. Just. Um, you know the impact he's made of that Welling team that was, was going to lose Smeltzy. Um, you know he's absolutely loving living over there. Uh, he's enjoying playing, enthusiastic, getting goals, setting them up, and you know he could be the reason why they, they make the finals for the first time. I mean, I mentioned obviously for Robbie Fowler, who's done a great job at the Fury, but I'm going to give it to Eiffel. Mm. Uh, who would have thought that Phoenix could have found someone to replace Shane Smeltz? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they've replaced him directly, but they've replaced him with two, you know, two players that are working well as a combination and, and give, delivering them the goals that we all thought they were going to struggle for. So yeah, I'd agree. I had I thought in that question. Yeah, Robbie Fowler though second in your book as well. Yeah, or? yeah, I probably got him later on. on. Sorry, yeah, I didn't I'll hold that one. Hold that thought. Didn't mean to jump in. Sorry. Andy, uh, best young player. Um, I'm going to go for someone who. 
strangely he's playing in the team at the bottom of the league um, but I'm going to go for Kantorowski from Newcastle because I think he did one of the few players that really enhanced the reputation of the, of the Youth World Cup and I think he's come back and in a team that he's struggling is for, for someone who was doing his HSCs whilst playing in the A-League you know I think he, he looks a, a, a really good find and um, I guess the question is does he stay at, at the Jets because I think if you put him into uh, one of the better sides in the league of Sydney or Melbourne then I think he's a player that could, could really come on in the next two years I think he's still 18 um, and I think he's a, he's a great prospect talked earlier on in the season as a kind of bolter for the World Cup do you think that might be beyond yeah that? I mean that that's going to be too soon but certainly you know you'd be looking at him in the next two to three years to be stepping up to replace the Lucas Neils and the Craig Moores of this world I think you know we, we talk about where are the next sort of generation coming from but if you look at players like Speranovic and like Kantorowski and like Duganzic that are coming through and, and the likes of Shane Lowry as well then I think there are players kicking around the danger is, is that the crop that we've had is so good and so better than the next class that the team almost picks itself, you know. And but I think the big watershed is going to be after this World Cup. I think we'll see a lot of players step back, and then that's going to be their opportunity. Trev, young player, I struggled for sort of a straightforward answer for this. I'm not sure if there's anyone that's impressed from round one all the way through for the under 20s World Cup. I probably would have said Kofi Danny. Um, Kanarowski definitely, you know, has probably been more consistent than the rest of them. Um, Tommy Orr's had his moments in recent weeks, um, so he deserves a, a mention. I'll probably say if Tommy Orr can, can kick on from here, perhaps by the end of the season he might be the best young player. But that was a, a difficult one to pick. I don't think there's been any youngster that's really been head and shoulders above everyone else this year. So who's your pick? Tommy Orr. Tommy Orr, okay. Trev? Worst player or performance? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for Bob Malcolm might just be when I watch him but he just seems to have an absolute shocker at the back for the Raw and do you watch him every game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not quite but the few, the few times I have uh, seen him yeah, it's not been great it's baldism isn't it? you just don't like him because he's bald I love the bald brothers <laughs> Enough. I'm going to go off the pitch here I'm going to go worst performance has been Clive Palmer yeah. I think he's you know, mate realise and hopefully this has made you realise that it's not about you you know, this is football, it's about the players and it's about the fans. And at every step of the way from the start, he has pushed himself to the fore and it's come back and bit him on a sizable arse. And, you know, hopefully he'll learn this lesson and so, you know, and realise that, you know, it's it's our game, not his. You really are upset about him still in yeah, my population just... conversion ratio, aren't you? No, no, <laughs> it's not just that. It's not just that. I just think, you know, it, it's about sort of respecting the fans. It's about realising what football is about, you know, and he's someone who has come in, you know, he's not involved in football at any level before he took over Gold Coast and came in talking about giving back to the community and the people and he's quite clearly shown that that wasn't what he was trying to do. His hands now have been forced, and I just hope he learns his lesson. As we all do. Uh, before we get into the big three awards, we've got a bit of a different award. A leaguer to make the World Cup squad, Handy? Uh, well, I'd say Jason Kalina, because <laughs> I think he's probably the only guaranteed. Him and Craig Moore, I'd probably say, are the, the only two that I would, at this stage, I'd say guaranteed. I wouldn't be surprised to see them as the only A-League players. Yeah, I concur with that. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a bolter, so to speak. I mean, Bridget Bross 
and Archie all got a mention from Pim this week in the wake of him announcing the squad but I don't think those three are going to make it I think it's likely to be more and cleaner the only other three guys that are in the mix are, are, are the Perth guys um, Sajoski Coyne and Burns but I think all three of them might struggle to make it as well I think with the bridge and Broster so much of their their effectiveness has been them working in tandem there is obviously Levitska has obviously been working on their combinations around the box we'll see the you know, two or three times this season, little one-twos around the box. And that is something that they work on in training. And I think take them out of that and just drop them on the left. You know, they're, they're not going to start as a pair up front for, for Australia in the World Cup. So yeah. I think that, that would be count against Trev, team of the season? Um, so far. So far, yeah. I'm going to have to go for Sydney. Um, and, you know, I know might be nice to go for someone down the bottom like Fury because they might have done better than we would have expected. But... The reason I'm going to say Sydney, which is quite a similar reason for, for the next award we're going to give out, is the fact that it's largely the same team that's just been, you know, regenerised really. Um, you know, they haven't gone out and bought a load of players. You know, players were clearly there in the last season. They shouldn't have, have missed out on the finals for the first time, but they did. And they come in, they now look like, you know, they're easily going to be good enough to top the table and take out the championship. And they're playing some good football as well, so Sydney. Andy? Um, I'm probably going to go for Wellington. Just because I think they're they're playing good football. They, if you think you know, if they could have converted three or four of those draws that they've had to wins, they'd be the top of the table. So they're not that far off. They've yeah. lost as fewer games as anyone in the league. They lost three games. The only team that has lost that fewer game is Melbourne. So I think they're they're playing decent football as well. Um, they're certainly a long way from being the worst side in the league, um, and that's where a lot of people would have tipped them. Um, so I'd love to see them make the finals for the first time because I think they, they would end up getting particularly if you imagine that if New Zealand do make the World Cup I think that's going to have a massive effect on Phoenix's crowds for the second half of the season and if they can back that up with making the finals for the first time mm. I think that's going to give a really good foothold for Phoenix in, in New Zealand It'd be fantastic if they finish top of the league and then the grand final will be played in Wellington <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, one that's not on the list, but I just thought of Ooh. now. Um, keep you on your toes. Best kit. We've had some. We've had some new kits this season. They've they've kind of jumped out the old uh, formulaic box. But um, do we have one that really strikes us as the nicest I'm kit? Sticking with Phoenix. Yeah. Yellow black stripes. That's what made me think of the traditional of the classic. Great sponsor in Sony. You know it's. It's just a classic football kit. Spectre Handicam in the post. In the next <laughs> well, compared with Jim's plumbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Talk about from the sublime to the ridiculous. I think there's a nod to Perth. Again, the yeah, stripe yeah, thing, but I, I like I don't the mind the Mariners one, away, so. isn't it? The away one? The stri- they've got the stripes going yeah, as well. The home so the Mariners Their away one is also yellow. Yeah, right. Well, we're on kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, right. So your home kit is yellow with a blue stripe and your clash kit your away kit well it's just all yellow <laughs> right okay that will yeah, do yeah well moving on to the to the big uh, the other wards the big two now coach of the season um, Andy uh, as I was looking at Trevor yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go Levitska because we as Trevor said he's, you know, he's taken pretty much the same side and has moulded them into not just a team that's, that's top of the league but a team that's top of the league playing good football um, where he did need to bring in players I thought he's brought in good players that have added to the league you know Kissel I think has showed that he's played at a good standard 
um, needs to work on his shooting a bit more. But as well, when he was fit, I mean, he's not he's not played for the last few games, but he looks a good addition as well. Um, but also, I think as as I said this before, this is the first time in in four in the fifth season where we're not inundated with so and so is unhappy at Sydney FC, so and so is unhappy with the coach, players talking, leaking stuff, you know, ballroom players going to the board. You know, it just seems to be a happy camp. It's because they're petrified of him. him. He looks like an yeah, East European well, assassin. I wouldn't say anything. I'd just be playing. Well, look at Ferguson mm. and, and Ice. I wouldn't yeah. have said what you just said, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a head in my bed, isn't there? I think so, yeah. If I start my car and it just goes <laughs> like that, then yeah. I know it's going to go. So I think they just seem to be They seem to be unified, great team spirit, and they're playing good football and they're top of the league. Trev, you can't, you can't really argue. Yeah, that. you've gone for that's exactly the same. And like I was saying, you know, the team, and pretty much for those reasons, both aside from that, is that it um, reignites that debate of European coaches and homegrown coaches and who we should be bringing in. Well, I think he's one of the biggest adverts for what a European coach with good pedigree at teaching at you know youth and club level in Europe can do. And I can see, you know, like we saw in Melbourne Heart when they started, I went for an almost sort of a, a similar coach in the Visco wouldn't have hurt the chances of, of more European coaches coming over I think it's, right, it's that difference between a manager and a coach you know you look at someone like Benitez and you think okay he's signed what 67 players and spent 250 million pounds and how many players have got better whilst they've been at Liverpool a lot of players have got worse and have been sold at a loss you compare that with someone like Wenger who has brought on player after player after player after signing players that you didn't know and then selling them as superstars. Same with Ferguson, he's nurtured young players, players like Ronaldo, the whole Beckham, Giggs, Skulls generation. And I think, you know, the good thing is this is a really good advert for bringing in a marquee coach, you know, and, and the, the fact that they will have an influence and improve every player under their charge. You know, and if you look at the development of players like Bridge and Brosk, like Colosimo, um, you know, I think it's a it's a great advert, and one that I hope a lot of um, teams look at for next season. Great stuff. And the final award, Player of the Season so far, Trev. Oh, so who's, got, who's got your vote? Sound like I've got a man crush him, um, Carlos Hernandez. I think at, at times he's just been, you know, not just turning games, but just you know, pure quality. You know, and it was such a, a landmark moment when he joined the A League in Melbourne. You know, took a risk of you know paying money on on a current international. Um, and yeah, I think he's just been class, and I think you know, he's got the potential to to ensure Melbourne keep the title. I'm going to go Fowler simply because I think he has shown his quality on and off the pitch. He's shown his quality as a, as a bloke as well. I think as you know, everyone that you talk to that we talk to about him has nothing but positive words to say about him. He's been the, the old you know inundated rumours is he going to go back, and he's just not paid any lip service to that he's just got on with it he's, he's clearly like you know one of the lads when he's on the pitch and off the pitch he's, he's delivered on the pitch he's been absolute quality and what is on paper probably the weakest squad uh, in terms of depth and I just think he's just shown his class and again like the Vichka as a coach it's, it was so important and we talked about that Fowler delivered because you know it's that high ticket you know international import and we needed him to do well because I think for the league to now kick on, we need more players out of Robbie Fowler to come to, come to Australia. Great stuff, lads. That was our uh, awards in our half-term report.
That's all the time we've got for in this segment. Join us after the break as we'll be looking at all the games in round 14. See you then. All together now. Australian football legends John Cosmina and Kevin Muscat have come together for the first time since their headline-grabbing sideline stoush nearly three years ago to become very special members of the Green and Gold Army on tour at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. With over 100 Socceroos caps between them, Cosy and Musky will be arm-in-arm with the Green and Gold Army in South Africa and you could be there with them enjoying the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's FIFA authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australia group stage games, four additional World Cup group stage games, transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 7 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Hi, I'm Alex Wilkinson from the Central Coast Mariners and you're listening to the 442 Insider Podcast with my great mate, Paul Hensford. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast, and we're into the home stretch now. We're going to look at all round 14 games. You thought I wasn't going to say anything there, Trevor. I thought you were going to stumble over your head. You had a big <laughs> panic there, like, oh, I hope he does all right. Or actually, you're thinking, no, I was hoping you were missing. Okay. Uh, first game in round 14, Friday, Adelaide United against Brisbane Raw at Hindmarsh. Brisbane will be aiming to avoid an equaling their longest winless streak six matches mm. it's actually it's actually a very important game we're, we're talking about you know the two bigger sides currently out of the finals uh, Adelaide in 7th and Brisbane in ninth. and it'll probably be you know it definitely will be a lot worse for Brisbane if, if they lose this game they can find themselves they will find themselves you know, six points away f- from the finals and um, you know that's not a position they can afford to be in at the moment um, and I, I do think exactly that's going to happen. I, I think Adelaide are, are due a win and they look a, a different team at home, so I think they'll just edge out edge out the Raw there. Five games without a win for the Raw, Andy? Yeah, I would, you know, in any one of the seasons gone by, and certainly the last two seasons, this would have probably been the tie of the round, you know. But certainly not this week. I'd, I'd copy back nil-nil. I think the danger at the moment, the danger is that when you get sides like Brisbane that, that are going to they become they end up playing with a lot of fear of not losing again. So they, they almost start to become even more sort of conservative in what they're doing. Um, when in actual fact I think they'd be much better just going out and playing because they can play. And um, I think they'd, they'd be much more likely to get the result if they go out to play for the win. But I'm not sure that they will. I think Adams, you know, he needs to get points on the board, and that's the problem. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go for a, an exciting nil nil draw. Definitely worth watching that one. There. <laughs> uh, Saturday, the football action kicks off seven o'clock with Melbourne victory against Central Coast Mariners in Melbourne, and Archie Thompson set to play his 200th match in Australian football. Nice work, Archie. Yeah, good yeah. job. Uh, 
always seems to be quite a decent match or early goals or a lot of goals in the in this fixture isn't there yeah I mean obviously Mariners went there opening opening round and uh, and nicked the points and um, and mugged them really so I think um be interesting to see how they approach this because I think Melbourne will probably be prepared for that um, and also I think as, as I said earlier Melbourne are a different side now than they were on that day um, so I think I'm going to tip Melbourne to get a bit of revenge and, uh, and get up on the Mariners yeah so, the, the Mariners are facing a, a completely different Melbourne side this time around they, they kind of caught them cold round one champions you know most of us well, almost all of us were expecting a, an easy start to the season for Melbourne um, I certainly don't think they're going to let that happen again um, especially you know the form that our attacking players are in um, yeah Melbourne Fair enough. Second game, Gold Coast against Sydney FC up at Skilled Park. The Battle of the Bling, as uh, I've just called it now. No one else has, probably. Um, Gold Coast have a goal difference of minus eight over their last two games. Is that going to continue? Are they going to hit double figures? Or yeah, it's going to be a tighter affair it's than tough one, this. And obviously, they, they, they got one over Sydney last time, but it's, I'd, I'd say it's... Uh, yeah, it's a different, different Sydney and certainly a different Gold Coast in that time. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Gold Coast might they might come out a bit with a bit more of a renewed motivation. I think again, it would dep- depend how many people are there. I mean, if they end up getting seven, eight thousand, nine thousand, they run out and there's a bit of noise there, then maybe that's going to lift them. And they're like, right, you know, the turnaround sort of starts here. Um, Sydney will go in full of confidence, no doubt about that. So, um, I think I might tip a high score and draw. You mm. might go two, two all. I'll probably say that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what does everyone think the crowd's going to be? What would be your prediction? I, I certainly think. I think it'd be around maybe eight thousand two hundred. Oh, I reckon four. Four. Yeah. Really. I reckon it's still going to be bad. What did this get last time? But seven was it? Yeah. Seven. Yeah. You're saying I, yeah? You've you got no idea, have you? It sounds saying, about yeah. right yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard a good way to protest. They did it in, uh, um, or someone suggested it for uh, an American football team. Randy Lerner, your um, your owners, your owners, and said that they're planning on not turning up for kickoff. So when the big Monday night game is televised, the stadium's empty, right, and then they, and then they the come seats. in afterwards. So they're still supporting the team, but showing their disgruntledness at the owners. So uh, you know, maybe that's a little tip for the uh, for the Gold Coast go. fans if they want to protest. We'll do our, some we'll more. Do our uh, top ten protests. Uh, <laughs> Protests next next do, month's do a, issue. Yeah, do a feature. Yeah. Um, the Sunday's football action kicks off with Wellington against Perth Glory, and with a distance of five thousand two hundred and fifty kilometres, it's the longest distance club game. Isn't there one higher though? There is one higher that I've found um, uh, in a in a proper tournament. It was the Cup Winners Cup game in the ninety four ninety five season between. Keflavik of Iceland. Oh, I thought you were going to throw it out to us. See if we can guess it. Yeah, Keflavik like, of Iceland. I'm and, say that. and it's going to be a Russian team. No. Uh, Tel Aviv? You're such a liar. You know you just read that. <laughs> <laughs> you, there's no way that Trevor you're. Trevor Snitch. No <laughs> way that you're that clever. I, I work with you every day. <laughs> Yes, Maccabi Tel Aviv yeah. against Keflavik of Iceland, which is 5,269 kilometers. Well, um, yeah. 
I, I you didn't even know the score. I didn't go that That's the far. most important thing for football. It wasn't a very good website. I probably don't believe it was right. But going back to the game, Wellington <laughs> against Perth. To Wikipedia. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, how do we see that one going? Wellington against Perth. Uh, Wellington win. Yeah. Yep. They're on a roll. Like five. <laughs> you love Wellington, don't you? I really like Wellington. It's mm. like like the kit, like the fans, yeah. like the players. Good drinking buddy in uh, Ricky Herbert. In Ricky. But good lad. Good book of say, You turned down my offer. No, I, 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 I would be reading it. Ricky Herbert, A New yeah. Fire. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Written um, by the kit man. <laughs> written by, honestly, I'm not joking. Written by um, Wellington Phoenix's kit man. Who used to be an ex-journalist. He's now in the book of so. I really, really hope they make the World Cup. Yeah. It would be awesome. It would be good for the A-League. I think it would be great. Mm. Um, Jeff, how do you see that one going? Any different talk- opinion? Well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know are Perth going to make the finals? Um, I think Wellington are, are going to win as well, and they're only a point behind them, and only a place that they'd leapfrog them. And I also think Adelaide might pick, pick up a result against uh, Brisbane. So Perth, who you know have been lucky at best on the road, could find themselves out of the finals. And seeing as they were in position recently, I think they're up to third, weren't they? Looking like they they might have really got it together. They could find themselves back out of the finals again, and I think they will. Last game, Newcastle Jets against North Queensland Fury, Energy Australia Stadium. And who would have thought we'd ever say this? North Queensland Fury aiming to remain undefeated in their seventh consecutive away match. Who's that? that right? He's right. Well, Fury. Fury. Yeah. Apparently so. Well, do you think you've got that press release? Got it off the FFA. <laughs> so you know, must be right. Must be right. <laughs> uh, anyway, what do um, we think? I think Fury are going to go there and win. Like, look at it. I mean, the Jets look. Last night, I mean, you know, the Jets, like, in little sparks show, show things with Bridge and Aliti, but just not consistently. They just don't dominate for long enough periods. So even if they nick a goal, they're immediately then under pressure. They don't keep the ball. Um, so, I'd, I'd, and Fury will have their tails up. And I think Fowler will go there full of confidence. I think it'll be the difference. Maybe 2 1. I mean, despite you know that fact of Fury's little run lately, I do think that this is a game between the bottom two in the league. By the end, I think these these two will be ninth and tenth. So this is almost kind of a playoff in, in my mind of which way round it's going to be. Um, I think it'll be a draw. Um, I think Fury will go behind because that's what they enjoy doing, um, and then they'll uh, they'll battle back to one all probably. Okay, great stuff. That was a preview of round fourteen of the A League, and that's all the time. We've got for this edition of the 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks to producer Simon for uh, uh, producing, I suppose. And uh, don't forget that you can listen to us on the interweb at au.442.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks very much for listening and don't forget to check back in with us next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.